Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Simon's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller. You are listening to a pro wrestling show. It's the 6th of July, 2021, and fans are actually about to return to the pro wrestling scene. I mean, tomorrow night we have AEW Dynamite, which I believe is coming from Miami, and there is going to be 3,500 fans, a crowd, real-life human beings making noise. And I'm actually a little bit nervous and a little bit anxious about this because I'm so used to watching AEW, especially from Daly's Place, which has become the unofficial home for Elite Wrestling. Because do not forget, Dynamite kicked off on October 2019, and by March 2020, six months later, it was in Daly's Place, where we have been for the last 15, 16 months. So the thought of AEW going on the road seems surreal. But no, genuinely, I cannot wait. Can't wait till WWE goes back to uh, fans at Money in the Bank. Can't wait till Impact does it as Slammiversary. It is long overdue. I think, not that we didn't know this anyway, but now we've had the proof. You know, wrestling without real noise and real reactions just, well, it works. And I think all companies have proven that it can work, but it's just not the same. So yes, it's a very exciting time. Hopefully it kind of lights a fire under everybody. Hopefully it makes Raw a little bit more... Well, Raw the last couple of weeks has been okay. I thought last week's Raw was absolutely, well, absolutely excellent, but a far improvement. And then this week Raw felt like 50% of that and 50% of all the other gubbins that we've had post-WrestleMania. But I suppose we're still kind of heading in the direction that we should be, or maybe not. And the big news story, I guess, over the last few days has been everything with Zelina Vega. She has returned to WWE. She popped up on SmackDown. Actually, for me, the bigger story is how WWE is booking money in the bank because I don't understand it at all. Drew McIntyre has to go through hell. Kevin Owens has to go through hell. Last man standing match. But Carmella and Zelina Vega are just thrown into the Money in the Bank match, whereas poor Liv Morgan especially has to try and, well, I would even say win her opportunity, but I don't think that's true because she's won two matches now and I still don't think that she's in. And I do admit we've done this kind of stuff before, but it always had a plot point to it. And the plot point, the reason the story is the key when it comes to pro wrestling or any form of you know storytelling art form. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin always had to try and get his way into Raw Rumbles and Vince McMahon would try to stop him. But that was the tale. Vince McMahon, the tyrannical boss, didn't like this employee. Sometimes fired him. <laughs> he always came back so it would make his life a living hell. But I don't think Sonya Deville has a problem with Liv Morgan. And if she does, it hasn't really been made a huge point of. And I've kind of got a feeling at SummerSlam we may be getting Liv Morgan versus Sonya Deville. Based on nothing, this just me watching the TV. And we, we kind of did it the wrong way around. <laughs> like it's, We should have started that now. And then that should be the big payoff as opposed to, oh, you anyway, it doesn't even matter. It's just absolutely confusing. But yes, Zelina Vega did come back. And of course, the big conversation has been not by a lot of people. I think it's the vocal minority, but I did want to touch upon it. And I'm sure lots of people are going to disagree, which is fine. You can get in contact with me at SimonMiller316 on Instagram and Twitter while I am plugging stuff. I'll also say patreon.com forward slash SimonMiller316 because without Patreon supporting the show, it doesn't exist. And while I'm here as well, pinsandknuckles.com, always supporting the show. Just got a bunch of new merchandise for them which I'm going to start sending out. Thank you to everyone that did go to simonmiller.bigcartel.com and purchase a t-shirt. But yeah, anyway, that's not my point. My point is this. Zelina Vega left the WWE some point last year, I believe, because she believed in unionization. And she did a 
She did a tweet about this. She refused to, to come off Twitch. And now here we are in June and July and she's back. And everyone's like, oh, she sold out. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Now, I just don't look at things like that. Because it was not Zelina Vega's, what's the word I'm looking for? Responsibility <laughs> to try and make this happen. The fact she even took a stand, as far as I'm concerned, puts her ahead of 99% of all other professional wrestlers that have walked this planet. Like, it's just true. Now, I don't want this to get misconstrued. Do I think that we should have unionization can't talk in professional wrestling? Yes, probably. I don't want to say 100%, you know, correct, because even though I am a professional wrestler, I'm a professional wrestler on the independent scene, I don't know what the environment is in a WWE or an AEW. So it's unfair for me to come here and on my high horse and go, well, I don't know all the, the ifs and buts and maybes, because I don't. But as a fan who watches the show and has seen some uh, questionable decisions been made that doesn't feel like the talent has been protected, yes, I think it would be a worthwhile endeavor all around. However, if somebody like Zelina Vega decides, I'm going to stand up for unionization, does that, then finds herself unemployed with potentially no opportunities, I don't know, and then maybe realizes that she would prefer to be a professional wrestler in the current guise, as opposed to a progressive professional wrestler with nowhere to ply her craft. Ply her craft? I don't know what that means. We're going with it. Ply her trade. I really don't have much of a problem with that. And maybe I should. Maybe I should. Maybe I'm too nice. People say that all the time, Melly, you're too nice, which I don't agree. I don't think being nice is a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're a pushover. It just means you try and look on the bright side of life. And I know that I have made decisions that I believe to have been righteous and appropriate at, in the moment. But then six months down the line gone, huh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And I have to go and eat humble pie. And again, if we were to sit down and discuss those, which I won't do now because I don't think it's relevant to your interest. You want to talk about wrestling. Maybe you would agree with me. Maybe you wouldn't agree with me because I'm sure there's some fans that are on the side of the companies and think we should keep this independent contractor thing. Again, there's always going to be pros and cons and, and for and against. But I think saying that she sold out I don't know, man. Like, do you want to be? And some people will be, which is fine. But let's say she's 30 years old. I don't know how Zelina Vega is. You know, do you want to be a 45-year-old wrestler who was inactive for 15 years? Or do you want to try and, I guess it's what CM Punk said, try and change it from the inside and maybe have an ear to the, to the, to the relevant people to try and explain what you were trying to do? Because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And also, people are allowed to change their mind. They just are. I think of the amount of people that I'm sure have wanted to unionize but haven't spoken up about it at all. She did it. She lost her job and then probably thought better of it and thought, actually, no, this isn't worth it. And I think that's fine. I really, really do think that's fine. It's not like we're talking about murder or some kind of heinous crime. That's different. That brings about uh, a moral a moral story, a moral point. And I don't think sort of having a 180 on a business decision should be i don't i just don't think she should have been attacked in the way that she should have been attacked as a human being she's allowed to make these kind of decisions and you too are allowed to disagree with it but as always what <coughs> excuse me that was you don't need to hear that on a podcast i apologize but as what happens in most of these situations the the super negative well twitter people <laughs> the social media the social media crazies they will start using aggressive language and start sort of hitting the low blows. And it doesn't matter what you're arguing about. If someone starts saying you should die and all of this, you're wrong. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Even if you were arguing that two plus two equals four and the other person was arguing that two plus two equals potato, I am more likely to be on the side of two plus two equals potato. Think about that because you called them a flubbing moron, but with the, with the appropriate words. I just, you don't know what's going on in her head, right? You don't know. And I'm sure all of us have a situation where we've been through that. The difference for us 
is that we, you know, we can make these these changes and it doesn't get played out on a public stage, especially a public stage like professional wrestling, where it's very, very ferocious and people's opinions come thick and fast. I just hope she's happy. And I know, Miller, you're a lame loser and you should have your head thrown down a toilet bowl and flushed. I totally agree with you. Boo me. Throw me in the pit. But it's the same with Alistair Black. If he wants to come back to WWE, I saw some people say it with Samoa Joe. Oh, Samoa Joe, can't believe it. Well, if you actually go and read the Samoa Joe thing, it's basically WWE and NXT are separate entities, essentially. Like Triple H is running his own operation, and Vince McMahon is cool with that, and we should be happy that's the case. Because not only is Samoa Joe back, but he's being a scout, he's got a behind-the-scenes role. Uh, Sounds like he is training to try and get back into the ring, and I hope that he does. But I suppose he's looking at it like this. There's a good chance that I'm not going to be cleared here, AEW, Ring of Honor, impact so if i can actually you know make myself useful in an admin capacity then i've set myself up for a job for life and i tell you you can be the most the biggest advocate for unionization in the world but if you go to the grocery store and you can't afford a bag of crisps all of a sudden you'll be like, i don't care about innovation anymore i want my damn crisps i want my damn pizza i want my damn food so yeah i think sometimes people go a little bit crazy about this stuff which you are allowed to do it would just be great if we kept it on the up and up and we kept it more of a debate and more as a discussion as opposed to mudslinging. <laughs> it's always mudslinging. Like I did a tweet earlier and I just I put that Bart Simpson and Lisa Simpson gif when they're having that fight in their bedroom and one waves their arms, the other kicks their legs. Just to kind of sum up how I see the Charlotte Flair, uh, Rhea Ripley story at the moment. That's what it feels like to me. We're just going to walk into each other and just fight. We don't really know why, but we're going to do it. And so many replies were, well, I'm sorry you didn't understand it. I said, don't mention about understand it. But they don't say that. You go, you moron, you absolute bald bitch. It's just so aggressive. Now, luckily, I am blessed with a thick skin. So I laugh at this stuff and I send it to my mates and we all think it's, it all think it's hilarious. But that's just what I think. I think Rhea Ripley and Charlotte are some of the greatest women's wrestlers ever. I mean that too when it comes to the WWE. Look how they work. Look at their characters compared to some of the things we've had in the past. You know, they're absolutely smashing it. But... When it comes to their story, do I get much from Rhea Ripley trying to do the bad things that Charlotte Flair does? Which also sounds like the Simpsons joke, don't do what Dunny Don't does. No, I don't. And I also, and this kind of ties into another big conversation about should we be having heels and faces? And the answer is sometimes. <laughs> it's always black and white. People go, oh, we have to have shades of grey. And people don't must be. No, you pick and choose with the moment. And I think that Charlotte Flair comes across as such a dastardly villain at the moment that I want a valiant person to come in and whoop her ass. And Rhea Ripley for me should do that. You know, we were all excited when she did get call up. So when she's kind of aping what the bad person is doing, you're like, man, it's fine, but it's not really getting me very excited. And also, I'm a stickler for character. Right? So if you tell me you're the nightmare Rhea Ripley, I don't want you to be being like a little baby <laughs> playing uh, two wrongs make a right. I want you to be the nightmare. I want you to be terrifying. I want you to be a badass. I want you to be, you know, beating people up. That's why I think Charlotte is quite good because she does come across like the queen. That's why she can do it. But yeah, like we should be able to engage in this stuff and, and, and we can't. I think it's not their fault because you've got to do what you're, you know, what you're told to do. But it does tie into the the other issue that is just hanging over Raw and is now kind of banging on the door of SmackDown, which is we're just not really using the roster to the best of its ability. I should have got the chart that somebody tweeted the other day, but I didn't know I was going to end up here. I'm completely ignoring my notes. And there's just not that many people, which is strange because WWE hired everyone, which begs the question why the hell they did get rid of the likes of Alistair Black and the Iconics. The Iconics especially, my word. Uh, you know, it just that's why we're getting the same matches over and over again, because we're running out of bodies. 
and I, I suppose the only place we're not running out of bodies really and i'm sure i'm you know missing another area is the raw women's scene there's a lot of talented females in it and yet we've now fallen back into just throwing them into one segment all the time like raw last night was and i'll probably get this wrong and i forget but it's alexa bliss it was naomi it was oscar and it was nikki cross taking on nijak Shayna baszler uh, and even Marie and Dewdrop, the drop, as I'm always going to call her, because it's a better name. Now, there are so many individual things you can do there. Like, you completely forget who the tag team champions are, because Natalia and Tamina, there's nobody Mina didn't turn up this week, which isn't a problem. I don't think you always have to feature everybody on the show. Again, ties into the point we just spoke about. But when you are, you know, when you've got two MVP and Bobby Lashley interviews, and you've got multiple Drew McIntyre segments, and I love these guys, but I don't need to oversee them, as I don't need to oversee anybody, you know, the clues in the term, overseeing. It kind of seems nuts to me that our only sort of singles program that we did was Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley. I would have liked to have seen something between Eva Marie and Dewdrop if we are heading in this direction, and I know we're doing everything with Alexa Bliss, but that's now, you know, tapping into everything else, and it's kind of hypocritical because I do enjoy it when WWE and all wrestling promotions cross the streams, so I want to know that Alexa Bliss may do something with Nikki Cross because of based on their past, or she may go to Shayna Baszler, or so, and so on and so forth, but I don't think it works as well when it does just feel like well, we're going to throw you into a massive tag in order to get you on TV and try and progress the narrative that way. So, yeah, I, I mean, the draft's going to be good. Vince McMahon, John Laurinaitis, and Bruce Pritchard all went down to NXT recently to scout the talent. And I would bring a bunch of people up. I know if you're a huge NXT fan, you're going to think that sucks, but that is what it's there for. I know it's been moved away from developmental really ever since they're on USA Network, but the idea is to have people ready to go as and when Raw and SmackDown need people ready to go. Now, Given that the new edict in WWE is to hire people that are 25, 6 foot 2 and 220 pounds, you have to ask, what does that mean for Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa? But I put them all up. I just would. I know they don't need to move, but I'm hoping, and I get this is not going to happen. This is me living on Dream Street. The Vince McMahon is going to understand that there's a worth there. Like, I really, really do. And I would, I would move all of those guys. I'd move Karrion Cross, who is a bit of a controversial figure. Like, some people don't really see him as an NXT guy, which is another, I don't want to call it a problem because I love NXT, but it is a, a struggle you have to put up with now. Like it happened to EC3, it happened to Elias. I suppose Lars Sullivan's in that conversation, but I don't want to talk about that guy. And it's absolutely happening with Karrion Cross. Like Karrion Cross is a character. He has a presentation. And I don't want that kind of stuff to be, uh, you know, um, taken out of my professional wrestling because sometimes it's what I love the most. But do I expect him? I think he's been pretty decent. I mean, his match with Finn Balor I enjoyed and uh, the five-way I thought was good at the last takeover or whatever the hell it was. But no, you know, he's not going to give you a an Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano five-star classic, but they can give me that, right? They can give me that. So he's a dude that I would move. I'd take the title off him beforehand because I'd like to present him fresh because it's quite clear that Raw and SmackDown are never going to acknowledge NXT entirely. I'd maybe move him up in the draft and just present him as a, as a massive threat. I think that could be quite good because... If we're talking about where he fits in, he's a bit like Jackson Riker. And what I mean by that is sort of crazy, you know, long-stared, tough guy. But he's got far more to him than Jackson Riker. I can't believe that Jackson Riker's being pushed as a babyface. <laughs> like, I don't want to take too many shots here. And look, do, the problem with Jackson Riker is he tweeted a lot of stuff I just do not agree with on a fundamental level. But I don't want to judge him for that because that's not coming across on my wrestling television, right? In our personal time, yeah, we can talk about it till the cows come home. But I'm talking about it purely from an on-screen representation. And just boring. <laughs> I thought that's it. But I don't, boring's not the right word. But what is it about 
Jackson Riker that I'm meant to like. He was friends with Elias. Elias stabbed him in the back. Then apparently he was in the army or something. He doesn't trust the enemy and he slaps himself. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. And again, he's in this perpetual feud with Elias. It's never going to end. Like you winning a three and a half minute strap match doesn't get me excited because you didn't give me a reason to have a strap match other than the fact that you wanted to pull a rating, which I'm all good with. But, you know, carrying across to me in that position, I do think he has he has more. And I hope that Jackson Riker has more. And I hope that he's allowed to showcase it. It's the same with Elias. Elias, to me, feels off the rails at the moment because we've taken everything that he did well. Don't forget how over he used to be. And we've stolen it away from him. But again, fans are just around the corner. He's a guy that we should absolutely be tapping into that because people did enjoy it. Do you remember when him and Kevin Owens were in that arena and they insulted the sports teams and everybody went crazy? I mean, there is an argument that sometimes you you jump the shark with this stuff, but I think you're going to get a get-out-of-jail-free card because we've been uh, starved of, of proper fan of proper fan reactions. But yeah, the Jackson Riker thing is... I mean, compare Jackson Riker to someone like Kofi Kingston, I would say. like Kofi Kingston, to me right now, I would argue, is one of the best babyfaces in all of wrestling. And I genuinely mean that. He's likable. You want him to win. He comes across like a person. When he's talking about his friends and family, you believe what he's saying, because I'm going to guess that he believes that in his real world too. I assume he's got so much tenure in WWE, no one's scripting Kofi Kingston. Same with New Day in general. I just love the New Day. Never break him up. I don't care. Do something different for once. But yeah, that's somebody I can get behind. To the point, and this is when you know when you've got a good good guy, in my opinion. If he beats Bobby Lashley at Money in the Bank, which I don't think would be a good idea, I think you get far more worth than having Bobby Lashley have a giant title run, I'd be cool with it. And I'd be cool with it because Kofi Kingston and WWE and Bobby Lashley, he's done his part too, have made me want to see that happen, which is all you need to have. That's all you need to have if you're a good guy. Well, then you need to have sympathy and you need to get me on your side. And you've done it. You absolutely have done it. And... Okay, so I don't mean to keep bringing it back, but that's just my point with Jackson Riker. <laughs> he should be a bad guy. I don't get it. This ties into the whole Shades of Grey thing we were talking about earlier. But yeah, Kofi is smashing it right now. I love his over-the-top stupid promos. I love how he can get serious. I love how he's not scared of Bobby Lashley. And I think MVP, MVP is doing a tremendous job as well. I think what's got to happen is that MVP costs Kofi Kingston at Money in the Bank. And while WWE does overdo that finish, it actually works in this sense. Because then you build up SummerSlam MVP versus Kofi Kingston, which is a match I already want to see. So if you're going to add in the fact that, you know, we stole the title away from him too, which, you know, he hasn't had since Brock Lesnar waylaid him. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> excuse me again. I don't know where that's coming from. I know that's awful on podcasts. I do apologize. But yeah, that's just good. That's just good storytelling. And if MVP isn't, because he did look a little bit sort of ring rusty last night. Maybe he just wants to do tag team matches. That's all right as well. You could do MVP and somebody else taking on the New Day. I mean, this brings up a whole other conversation about why the hell we broke up the Hurt business. I mean, on Raw last night, Cedric Alexander was teaming with uh, whoever the hell he was teaming with. Elias, right? Who walked out of him and Jackson Riker beat him. That's a terrible idea. And... Shelton Benjamin was chasing the 24-7 championship. But this is why it was nuts, because you could have done the Hurt Business versus the New Day. I'm sure we will just do Kofi versus MVP, but you would have had that option. Blows my brain. Really, really bad decision. And too many people on WWE TV in general are just breaking up. Like, Dewdrop and Eva Marie started to break up on day one. Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax are perpetually breaking up. Obviously, the Hurt Business are done. Uh, there was somebody else that teased it as well. But there's too many. I can't keep up with them. And it's ridiculous because you don't have time to invest because, you know, it's all over. I mean, The Miz and Johnny Drip Drip were teasing that too. But that seems to have gone the other way now. I think, talking more general stuff too, I'm done with stuff like Miz TV. 
I think Miz TV has become a crutch for WWE. I think it's like we need to open Raw. We don't want to do an opening promo because we always do an opening promo. Oh, we'll do Miz TV. But it is just an opening promo. Like, I think Riddle is one of the stars of Raw at the moment because his character, maybe against all odds, shout out Phil Collins, has just become so entertaining. And again, so Matt Riddle, because it's based on what he's like, that you can... Relate's not necessarily the right word. Well, if you're well into marijuana, probably. But there's just something likable about him, especially this sort of love-hate relationship with Randy Orton, who has been missing for two weeks. I don't know why. But yeah, the opening match, other than give me a few laughs, it didn't get me excited for Money in the Bank. So I was like, why couldn't we have just gone straight in? I can't remember what the first match was now. I've got my notes. Hang on, let me bring it up, because it's closed itself down. Have I got them up? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, it was Ricochet versus Morrison round two, which has problems all within itself. But why couldn't we have started showcasing the big crazy dive that Ricochet did last week? So good. And say, right, they're going back into it because it was a countout. And I don't like the fact that match ended in another countout, although this time John Morrison won because it gets boring. It's like, all right, well, that was, you wasted my time. Especially because now next week they're doing a last man standing match. I kind of get this feeling like, okay, you're just dibbing and dabbing to get to money in the bank, which is a shame. But at least if you had done that, you get the dive over. Fair play to WWE, they did push it. And they did do another crazy spot. Maybe not as nuts as that one. But again, it's always going to be the law of diminishing returns. And then you could have sort of had bits in the back with the money in the bank guys interacting with each other. I just think Raw would have felt different. It would have started with a bang. That opening 25 minutes or so is just... You just don't need it anymore because I just feel like I've seen it because I've seen it. <laughs> you know, it's as simple. It's as simple as that. And it was. I don't want to be too down on this either. Although I did give it a down on ups and downs. Check it out. What culture wrestling? I really like the Mustafa Ali and Mansoor getting some time, but I just don't like the. I don't like how it's all being put together. Man, I'm like negative Nancy today. I always try and be positive, Pete. But again, being positive isn't ignoring things you don't like. It's just trying to look on the bright side. But the fact they just had this match which I don't feel like it got the appropriate build. I know that Mansoor got thrown out by Ali, and I know they did the stuff on social media, but I would have much preferred a build to the pay-per-view and then had their big match there where hopefully... I would have rather, genuinely, and nobody will agree with this, but I watch everything, so I can only look at it from my vantage point. I would have rather a 10-12 minute match on the pre-show than just two minutes on Raw. Because, you know, now that Mansoor has lost the most devastating move in all sports entertainment, you know he'll just get the win back. And then we haven't gone anywhere. We haven't established anything, and that drives me nuts. And while I get that the whole point was, oh, Ali's teaching him a lesson. I got my foot caught in the ropes. You shouldn't have helped me. It just made Mansoor look like a dork. <laughs> like it just made him look like an absolute dork. And a lot of that is on WWE for overusing that stupid finish as well as everything else. But I do like, I should have said this on ups and downs, but it was a really long one. So I had to trim a load of stuff out and I doubt there's much crossover here. Well, there's some crossover, of course, but not everyone that watches it listens to my podcast. If only they did share it with your friends, please. I'd appreciate it. But it, it kind of felt like it was, it felt like it was second fiddle. And I don't want it to be second fiddle because I think both guys are awesome. And I still think I have a bee in my bonnet about the fact that Mansoor was on a 50 plus winning streak and we did nothing with it. So it's like, great. I'm really glad I enjoyed that. I am secretly excited about Jinder Mahal versus Drew McIntyre. I mean, the story is flubbins, but my, <laughs> my word, it was killing me. So Jinder Mahal, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to talk about Raw bit by bit, but I need to talk about this. Jinder Mahal turns up on a motorcycle and you're like, why is Jinder Mahal driving a motorcycle? He was presented as like an Indian king for most of his persona. Now he's on a motorbike. And he gets to the microphone and he goes, man, that Drew, 
I sent him a text message and he never responded and he said he didn't want to hang out. And look, I can relate to that. It's happened to me before. You're like, you mother, you mother Hubbard. I can't believe you don't want to do this. So they then have a match. We had one hour build. What I believe is quite a big contest because they do have really similar backgrounds, which to me should have been the story. And shout out to Corey Graves for getting that across. But then Jinder's two dudes who I keep forgetting the names of because they're never on TV, right? I think it's, uh, uh, I can't remember. I don't want to say their names. I get them wrong. But they've only been on TV like twice, so I'm still learning who they are. You're allowed to do this. It's fine. Some people go, oh, you should know everyone. That's not how brains work. But, you know, they jump in. They beat up Drew McIntyre as soon as he goes for the Claymore. She's like, okay, so WWE. But then <laughs> Jinder goes, will you screw me over, Drew? I'm stealing your sword. That I think Drew told us was made out of the tooth of the Loch Ness Monster. So you're like, what, what, what's going on? <laughs> What's happening? How am I meant to explain this to my non-wrestling fans, fans if they ask? Now, I like the match. I do. I like Jinder versus Drew because, as I found out afterwards, nobody liked the match they did have on Raw. I loved it. <laughs> Which kind of summed it up. But it's just two big guys kicking the crap out of each other. And because... I don't know whether it's the Thunderdome or not. You really get a sense of when you have two big guys in the ring. And when those two guys were in the ring, they felt like giants. So when McIntyre gave him the overhead belly to belly, I was like, oh man, that looked devastating. I had a good look. I'm a moron. What can I say? But the narrative was the, <laughs> I did not expect it. I did not expect it. But now that I'm talking about it, I think I love it. I think I regret giving it a down. I'd much rather it was dumb. No, that's not true. I'd much rather it was all based on 3MB and them getting released and winning a world championship because that's based in real life and it would have been like, oh my gosh, there's so many things we can tap into. I bet they've got a bunch of sort of videos that they've shot together or, you know, stories and anecdotes. But the dumb side of me, now I think about it, like I say, is not too, di too disappointed <laughs> with iPhone versus sword. That's what it is iPhone versus sword. WWE is incredible. I want to know who went. Then Jinder drives up on a bike. I, I need to know. I mean, what's next? What's next? I mean, who else? Is, is it, I'm trying to think of the most inappropriate character. Alexa Bliss flies down the ramp on an ATV. <laughs> Why is she on ATV? Bray Wyatt comes back. As I say, riding a dragon. That would actually work quite well. That would be cool. What could, what could Bray Wyatt come in that just... A bicycle. A pink bicycle. Like a proper ding-ding. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, damn it, that would work if he came back as as the Firefly Funhouse Bray. I'm not doing very well with this. It just proves that I'm wrong. <laughs> it proves that I'm wrong. Jinder Mahal should have been driving a motor. I think I loved Raw. <laughs> I'm sat here thinking about it. I think I had a good time. Last couple of bits. We've got to kill the 24-7 championship. I love our truth Put him in the Hall of Fame. Sing his praises till the cows come home. But flub me, that's boring now. It's, it's just all the same. And seeing Shelton Benjamin thrown into that mix. Oh it's just not fair it's not fair at all but raw is an interesting show I, I i do genuinely believe and more for me for always being the optimist but i do totally believe that um it will get better once fans are back and you'll have to excuse me for that pause but my google alerts has just uh it's <laughs> just alerted me Flubbing Nora. So TMZ Sports has just reported. Man, look at this breaking news on a podcast doesn't make sense that jimmy uso was arrested for a dui on monday night I shouldn't say this. It's absolutely terrible because this has happened before. I do believe that he was also, it says here, uh, he was accused of DR. He got convicted in both 2011 and 2013. So that's worrying. But I was going to make a joke about Roman Reigns. I mean, the poor boy is manipulated. <laughs> He's manipulated. That's not funny. I take that back. I should. That's a bad joke to make because you should not drink and drive ever. And the only situation I've ever been in when I had to experience it was a, a quick tangent for you. I, I don't drink for anyone that cares. I gave it up when I was 18. It wasn't for me. So I thought, you know what? I'm not going to do it. But I was at a wedding 
and everybody was absolutely wasted and this girl was getting in her car drunk and I was on my sober high horse going, what are you doing? And, and I'm not trying to say like make myself like I was a hero, but I was ready to stand in front of the car. Like I was going to, they would have hated me for life. I was like, I don't care. But uh, before I could even get there, she she drove off and she just smashed it right into a wall, which is obviously terrible, but she was okay. So as soon as I knew she was okay, I was like, well, I'm kind of glad that has happened because hopefully it will never happen again. But also you didn't hit an innocent bystander. And that's why you don't drink and drive. You know, well, you don't drink and drive because I don't want anybody to lose their own life. But imagine you take out somebody else, which is why you shouldn't make jokes about it. And I kind of regret doing it. So I'll apologize for that straight away. But yes, apparently um, the jail record showed that Uso is still currently behind bars at the time of rating with his bond set at $500. Holy crap. So that's not going to go well. That's from Fightful, by the way. I mean, it popped on my Google alerts, but the story has been related to Fightful. So that's, uh, yeah, my man, Mr. Sap doing that one. But man, that damn, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. I mean, we'll leave it there because we don't have any other details. We don't know what's gone on and what's not gone on. Kind of strange, though. I mean, not kind of strange. You don't know what's going on in people's personal lives, but um, I was not ready for that. <laughs> that's just really, that's really knocked me for six. Crazy world wrestling. There's always some kind of news story. Let's move on to AEW and talk about what they're doing. Let me get the AEW Dynamite thing out because I clicked the stupid thing and now it has gone away. Because instead, I was looking at DUI stories. So we are going to get a face-to-face with Chris Jericho and MJF. I'm going to presume... Are we going to build to a match at All Out? It's quite far away. Maybe we'll do it before then. Uh, But we're going to have that. We also have Matt Seidel versus Andrade. We're also getting a tease. The Hangman Page is going to confront Kenny Omega. We'll have to see that one. The big match, what I'm sure is going to be the main event, especially in front of fans, is going to be the Young Bucks defending their AEW tag team titles against Eddie Kingston and Penta. I think that is going to rock. And I just want to point out that I love the facial hair that the Elite has grown. So good. QT Marshall versus Cody Rhodes in a strap match. I don't understand all the... All the craziness dedicated to Cody Rhodes online. Maybe I am nuts and I don't get it, but I don't know. I just, to me, really, really good baby face. Really, really fun to watch. I don't have a problem with him, but other people seem other people seem to think otherwise. And we have the Great American Bash tonight with NXT, which I've also closed down. Thanks a lot, Jimmy Uso. I don't mean that. That's not true at all. This is a good way to podcast, isn't it? Great American Bash. Boom. What matches do you have for me? You have, of course, Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole, which is the strangest feud ever because we, we've already had their crazy death match, whatever it was. Now it's a singles. We've got MSK taking on Tommaso Ciampa and Thatcher for the tag titles. That'd be really good. Really, really good. The Way versus Io Shirai and Zoe Stark for the women's tag team titles also be really good. A million dollar championship is on the line. Cameron Grimes versus LA Knight. And don't forget, if Grimes loses, he's got to become Knight's butler. So I'm going to assume that he will lose because it's the best way to continue that story. And Karrion Cross versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT title. There's a small chance that he wins. I genuinely mean it. I think there is a small chance that Karrion uh, Cross loses, Johnny Gargano wins, and Karrion Cross comes up to the main roster. Because... I mean, you could have him pull double duty, but the fact they're about to go back on the road as well, this is going to be my mad prediction. I think Karrion Cross is going to lose, and feel free to text me tomorrow. Text me, tweet me tomorrow, and say, Miller, you're an absolute moron. Before we move on to questions as well, I do think we need to chat about Sammy Guevara versus MJF from last week. I thought it was an absolute terrific match. It's one of the best uh, Dynamite main events I can remember seeing. And I think the coolest thing about it, and something that WWE does need to do more of, because, you know, homegrown stars are everything when it comes to wrestling. Well, it's exactly that. You know, seeing two guys that I didn't really have a clue about a couple of years ago. I mean, I knew of them in the ether. I mean, I think I, I worked a show with MJF in... 
two well actually i i wasn't on the it was my it was when i first gets back after i had my shoulder problem so it must have been 2019 he came into defiant i can't remember the hell we were now he was in a big uh, eight man and i just had a, a spot with um bad bones john Klinger, who, who who dropped an elbow on me from the top rope first time i taken an elbow from the top rope hurts like hell there you go and it's like he was a really nice guy by the way in case you're interested so i don't mean to ruin his gimmick i mean he was a massive dick sorry he's a massive asshole worst worst human being alive i wanted to kill him but yeah, like, so I knew of them. I knew of Sammy Guevara too. But to see them come so far and to see them carry a main event, I just thought it was tremendous. I thought it was brilliant. I was really, really taken aback by how good they are. Usually, I would be a bit more critical of the fact they had a bit of wrestling beforehand, given that it was meant to be a bit of a, not a blood feud, but they hated each other. But I think it was important to kind of send send a lesson, a lesson, send a send a message out to some people that say that you know AEW can only do one thing which I don't think is I don't think is is the case at all you know I think they're far more diverse than some people some people give them credit for but yeah it, it was just such a good main event and I know it ended in distractions and everything like that but there's there is a place for doing it in wrestling it's just that WWE does them too much and as I say to the crazy people that get in touch with me I let W let them but WWE did it for four years before I started doing silly counters and criticizing for it so you know you can't you can't hold AEW uh, to task for what WWE does and vice versa they're two separate companies and just to make it clear if you are a brand new listener if I had my way WWE would do a billion viewers and AEW would do a billion viewers and Impact would do a billion viewers the more people watching wrestling the better I don't have a i don't have more of a love for either company i love i love wrestling that's what i enjoy and the more good angles and good characters i can get the happier i am as a fan because you know i'm getting more into more entertainment but i did think it was tremendous and you know three four five years down the line they should be able to to carry the company as should jungle boy i love jungle boy versus kenny omega thought that was tremendous kenny omega to me I some people don't like kenny omega which is fine you know you don't, there's no rules for what you should and shouldn't like but this lost on me i mean kenny omega to me he is self-aware. He's funny. He is one of the best wrestlers I think I've ever seen, really, given the body of work that he's put out there. And I just, again, every time he wrestles, I want to I want to watch it. And just for parity's sake, you know, Roman Reigns to me is... I mean, Roman Reigns is a few years behind, obviously, because I, I always liked Roman Reigns, but it didn't really feel like the character we give him was indicative of... Indicative, I can't talk. It wasn't representative of him as a person, whereas everything he's been doing for the last year or so, I think has been absolutely absolutely tremendous and admittedly maybe that is falling into a little bit of repetitive territory but you know if it leads to a match with john cena at SummerSlam, that will be fire and then if it leads to a match with the rock down the line that will be fine and you pick someone to beat him and it's you know it's a job well done but yeah i really do think that um that main event was pretty damn pretty damn good so credit to them credit to them all around and uh, i massively enjoyed it before we do um to get answer the questions as i pour there to, to, to load up the questions i should say that i did return to a wrestling ring last week very people very kind people always ask me about this now if you do follow me in my in my major life you will know that i'm not actually 100 percent cleared as of yet i'm still recovering from a from rib surgery that i had to have but i am cleared enough that i was able to do an angle so it worked out quite well and yeah, shout out to TNT Wrestling up in Liverpool. Make sure you do check them out for having me along. I'm hopefully going to be back towards them at the end of the month as well. 
And it was just tremendous. Like, I mean, let's not pretend otherwise. Wrestling is great, like being in the ring. But there are other attributes to it too, which will put a smile on your face, such as your entrance. Let's not pretend otherwise. I'm pretty sure, and I've included myself in this, that sometimes all you want to do is your entrance and jump around the ring and then just go back through the curtain. A bit like Chris Jericho when he did that weird uh, weird character when he came back. So yeah, I haven't had the thrill of uh, having a proper match yet, but I did take my first bump in ages. And it, I, I, as soon as I did it, I was like, why do we do this? <laughs> it was absolutely, absolutely horrible. But the uh, before I went out through the curtain, I was like, do I remember how to do an entrance? And, you know, the entrance was still a work in progress for me anyway, because depending on the show is going to depend on, you know, how you tailor your entrance. If you're doing a very, very small show in a in a local hall in front of 50 people, I don't really think you should be doing unless you have a real serious character that sort of dictates that you have to. I don't think you want to do the serious walk out, head down, stop, because it just doesn't translate. It's just weird. People want to see energy. Whereas, again, if you're in a bigger arena, you can do that. But either way, I was like, do I remember how to do this? And then as soon as I walked out through the curtain very nice people made a lot of noise um it, it just it just it just happens and you just get taken away and i remember that stone cold steve austin cry about you know if you're drunk i don't you <laughs> it's just that's just how it feels so if you are interested in coming to one of my matches keep an eye on my twitter and instagram at simon 316 i will keep putting them up as they come i do have a bunch of bookings towards the end of the year and as soon as we are allowed to travel again I will be going international. I think um, this hasn't really translated to some people from other countries and why would it they don't live here. But while a lot of countries I would like to wrestle in are on the amber list, meaning you can go there, there's just no way that I can do it. Because if I turn up, you're essentially, the amber list means you're going there for work purposes. So if I go there for work purposes, but don't have the relevant paperwork, which I will not because, you know, it's independent wrestling, they're going to turn me away and I'm probably going to get banned from that country for a few years. So until we get the green light to do it, there's just nothing I can do. But I promise me, I, look, the dream of mine is to wrestle in America, to get a booking in America, fly over and do a wrestling match. When I do do that, I'm going to try and do a few. That to me is a massive bucket list thing to do. I'm not talking about AEW or WWE. I mean, that is mega super dream. One day, you know, hoo-ha, can you believe it? But any kind of promotion uh, is what I want to do. And yes, as soon as I can, we're going to start documenting all this on the YouTube again, as we have done before. So I'm very, very excited about it. I've missed it. It's been like 15, 16 months. And that was the other thing. I was like, do I actually miss this? I mean, I did a seven-hour round trip to do to do that show for a 10-minute skit. That's right. My girlfriend always thinks you're mental. Your, your math doesn't work out. Your math is crazy. And I was like, maybe there's a chance that, you know, I do get home and I think, oh, it wasn't worth it. But it absolutely was. So that was a good feeling as well. I mean, I've lost 15 months of my career. And I'm not a young man, as we know. That was documented on the Wrestling Journey series that we did on What Culture. So I wanted to try and, you know, push it as hard as I, as I could. And it was taken away from me. And I do kind of feel like I'm back at step one because momentum and repetition is a huge thing in wrestling. You almost build up a muscle memory to this stuff so you can focus on the little things but that's okay right that's okay i'm very excited to get back to it and again thank you for everyone for your support and on that note we will answer some questions i'm sure i will have forgotten some big story but hopefully they will be in here lloyd says which promotion will benefit most from fans returning i mean all of them there's a chance that maybe aew more so because if you get reactions and crowds like they did at uh, double or nothing that's going to be a reason to go to the show when you probably will become the cool wrestling product but the answer is all of them 100 percent of, of everybody will enjoy it carl warner forever says what's the odds on repo man showing up in the rumble this year i mean not a lot because um i can't remember his name now uh what's his name barry not barry horowitz that's, that's the enhancement talent uh mike daughter so i can't remember his name my brain's drawing a blank because i'm a moron he's on the outs with wwe because he was part of that concussion lawsuit so there's every chance he will never come back however i will pay repo man and i was very excited when the ww on fox twitter account referenced repo man after baron corbin had his 
car towed. Very excited about that Baron Corbin character. I know it's a little bit silly, and I know they were fighting over a crown, but Baron Corbin has needed something new for a while, and I actually think this is going to tie right into his taste. It's completely out of left field, but so far, so good as far as I'm concerned. If you want to give me nonsense, that's the kind of nonsense that I need. Air in my lungs. Hey, Simon, how do you think the Jinder versus Drew story will develop as fans return? Do you think they'll be into it? Do you think Jinder will cost Drew at Money in the Bank? Hope you're doing well. I'm recovering from wisdom teeth surgery. Should have gone to Britt Baker. Well, dude, I hope you're okay. Anything with teeth is always difficult. I mean, you never know when it comes to uh when it comes to what fans are going to relate to i think that's the cool thing that we're going to get we're going to find out who's over who's not over what stories are being appreciated and which ones aren't and hopefully wwe has accepted they have to pivot which they kind of stuck their feet in the ground beforehand i know that i'm going to be into it i think yes i mean the easy story to tell is jinder cost drew at money in the bank he's your top guy he's your top star wwe likes protecting those guys it gives you a little bit more impetus to carry on with it that's fine by me the obvious stuff is cool uh tom says have you checked out any ring of honor stuff recently i very much enjoy their pure division that started giving guys like fred yee wheeler utah and joe keys some spotlight no you can probably tell by my awful pronunciations of those names i only have so much time in a week and i'm maxed out now with wrestling you know between raw smackdown aew impact and a pay-per-view there just isn't a lot of time to watch any more wrestling because i do have a more parts of my job to do as well i love being mr ups and downs but it's one of the reasons that you know we had to when dynamite started we had to sort of you know divvy up nxt i just wouldn't have been able to get it in but would i like to watch it absolutely hopefully in the future i can find some time trying to escape wrestling and failing says what are your feelings on the teasing hangman versus omega so soon on last week's dynamite when it still seems like they have many title matches lined up kazarian kingston pack and christian i assume hangman will be the one to beat omega at all out I know. Do it now. Of course you should do it now. He's the number one contender. We have been teasing that story for a while. You should continue to tease it. But at the moment, Hangman Adam Page is scared of Kenny Omega, essentially. So do the Kazarian match on TV. Do Kingston. Do Pac. Do Christian. And have Hangman Page waiting in the wings. Do it all out. And I'll tell you this. Have Hangman Adam Page lose. For the sole reason that any good story has some tragedy in it. Go read William Shakespeare, right? That's why he used to do it. And then have him win it all gear or hold off a little bit more. I think it will make the victory even more sweet just because most people will expect that he wins it on his first try. Now, look, if there is a crowd swell where people are desperate to have him win on the first try, then you do it because you're only doing this stuff for the fans. But that's what I would do. But no, I think they should always be teasing. We should always be crossing the streams and ready to pull the trigger on multiple different directions as, as and when makes sense. Uh, Stranded Dead says what are your thoughts on the current New Day Hurt Business storyline for some reason I'm enjoying it despite it being on Raw I think it's pretty good I think it's great I think Xavier's been great I think Lashley's been great I think the fact we're building towards MVP and Kofi is great it's a great all round uh, Lena says have your wrestling goals changed since lockdown plus how's Brit rest looking as we open up do you have any dates book whether you answer or not thank you for the fun well you're most welcome I do as already mentioned and have my wrestling goals changed not massively. I'm a little bit worried about what I can achieve with, uh, you know, a year and a half less on my on my calendar. But my goal was always to get to the point where I can go and have a good or a decent match anywhere. And that when people see me, they say, he is a wrestler, right? He's not the YouTuber being a wrestler. He is a wrestler that also does YouTube because we can do multiple things. So that is still sort of my major overall goal. 
So I suppose I'll just try and get back to it and hopefully I can do it. And you know what? Even if I can't, the lockdown has taught me a lot. I'm just going to have as much fun as possible because really that's all that matters. Harine is here with her daily proclamation. Well, you know the rest. She loves Kenny Omega, basically. When do you think Kenny should drop the belt to Hangman? I would like for it to be at All Out and get it at full gear if Kenny's body can hold up. Oh, you said for fail at All Out. Well, you just agree with me, Harine. So you and I are on the, are on the same page. Hell yeah. Uh, ad spongy your your tweet was uh you didn't know what was going to happen five minutes after you tweeted is it time for jimmy uso to give oh no i'm sorry you've tweeted it because of this story i forgive me i do apologize is it time for jimmy uso to give up on wrestling to focus on himself as he obviously needs help whether the job stresses him out too much or some other circumstances led him down this path well no i wouldn't say that because wrestling may be his saving grace for all we know you know it may be his the best thing in the world that actually keeps him balanced i don't know but does he need help yes i would probably assume that he does three duis doesn't sound like a healthy man however i'm not going to comment on somebody else's situation any more than that because i don't think it's fair and i don't know any of the if buts or maybes i just hope that nobody was hurt and yes i hope that he's okay as well as everybody else ted the hillbilly says which faction combo will win the aew trios title first well, I would give it to Death Triangle because Pac, Penta and Phoenix have been so good. They'll have good matches with everybody. And so far, they haven't won a title and they probably should do. So I would give it to them. Uh, Balaji says, do you think AEW should have more themed pay-per-views like WCW's Bash at the Beach, Halloween Havoc and King of the Ring, Royal Rumble? They just have normal names like Full Gear, Revolution and All Out. Well, I know what you're saying, but I mean, it's no different to Halloween Havoc. Like Halloween Havoc didn't have a stipulation. And while Raw Rumble and King of the Ring are stipulations, WWE has also ruined those with the likes of Hell in the Cell and Elimination Chamber. So you know, there's always a balance to it. But no, I would like them. They've established these names. I think they should keep the names. Names don't really mean a lot either. I, don't, I mean, I don't mind them. Juan says, hey, Simon, huge fan of your work. Thanks, Juan. Given the rumors that both Raw and SmackDown are getting new stages, will we see WWE making new stages for pay-per-views like they did in 2014? Or is that wishful thinking? I think WWE should do it given the budget they have. Also, Repo Man for the win. Well, I made a video about this the other day on what culture, I mean, changes that WWE should make now. And that's what I said. Well up for new Raw and SmackDown stages. I know the last two didn't really get a run out, but you need to hit reset with this stuff to make it feel fresh and exciting. And a way to do that should be with cool pay pay-per-view stages as well because something we've lost from pay-per-views is they don't feel like separate special events they feel like raws or smackdowns with a different color button and that's never that cool so they've got the money to do it whether or not they will i doubt it because they are clearly trying to maximize profits but i do agree it would be a massive plus uh jim warnell says who are some of your favorite 80s 90s mid carders fourth man that is a question and a half i mean but the thing was, mid, I'm going to say a mid-carder, but at some point they would have been in the main event. Like Tito Santana I used to love, but I'm pretty sure he had a main event run. I mean, not in WWF maybe, but elsewhere. But I was always a big fan of Tito Santana. I mean, at that time, 80s, well, early 90s for me, Bret Hart was right up there. Same with Mr. Perfect. Yeah, but these guys on did these guys did go on to, to evolve, evolve and change. Even the Macho Man Randy Savage at one point was a mid-carder. So, you know, it all depends on how, how you're looking at it. I'm trying to think if there was someone who was always stuck in the mid-card and I always gravitated towards. If it comes into my brain, I will shout it out. Matt says, do you think the British Bulldog would have made a good heavyweight champion? Of course. I mean, I'm so biased towards the British Bulldog. He was my hero as a kid. And in many ways, he is a hero for me now. Stevie, seeing as normality returns from next week, what would be your top three memorable moments from the pandemic era? Well, I've got to give the Boneyard match a shout out, mostly because it came first. And I had no idea what we were going to be able to do with it. And I thought it was awesome. Same with Stadium Stampede. 
for the same reason. That was kind of like the funny version of, <laughs> of the Boneyard match. And they really did go to town with it. It was like watching a, a skit show with a comedy. And the third one is going to be so difficult because I'm going to forget something massive. So I will say uh, there must have been, uh, I don't know. I mean, even the video package that AEW ran last week <laughs> would be up there. It was so, it was so good. I think Sting, you know, does that count? Because the thing with Sting arriving was you had the presentation and you didn't have a full venue by any stretch of the imagination, but they still made so much noise. It felt like it. And that was one of those moments I watched a hundred times. I showed it to my girlfriend and even she was impressed by it because it just had something to it. Yeah, that was that was really good. Uh, Andrew says, have you read, listened to Drew McIntyre's book? Not yet, but it is on my Audible. So hopefully soon. I love stuff like that. Hammer says, what would you think about a program between Paul Heyman and Don Callis if it were to happen? Look, you want to do Roman Reigns versus Kenny Omega with those two as managers and mouthpieces with everybody talking? I'm going to be all right with it. Stuart says, is Mark Henry versus Miro an AEW dream match? Not for me. No, unless Miro absolutely destroyed him and we use the legendary status of Mark Henry. But no, that's not something I massively want to see. Uh, Pile Driver Podcast says, how was it to finally get back in the ring after what feels like forever? It was joyous. Like I say, that first bump absolutely sucked, but I'm super pumped to get back into it. And I remembered how happy it made me. Happiness is important. Chigley, what storyline from WWE AEW in the last couple of years do you think had the most potential but ended up completely missing the mark? For the last couple of years, geez, these are things I actually need to sit down and figure out. Things that missed the mark and we had to change tune on. Last couple of years as well, there must be somewhere where they've dropped the ball. I mean, the Bobby Lashley, Lana and Miro Rusev stuff, they dropped the ball on. I thought, even though it wasn't to particularly my taste, the fact we never had the big proper blow-off match between Rusev and uh, Lashley, I always thought was silly. We probably should have done something like that. I'd say the fact we haven't seen the Sami Zayn conspiracy documentary, I honestly thought we could have made something out of that. There'd be far worse ones, but that's certainly one that I, I felt we could have done more of. Again, these are very, very light ones, and they're more recent, right? That's why they're in my brain. But I was I was sad when Christian pivoted away from Team Taz. I was really excited to go through that. I mean, I think the Matt Hardy stuff makes sense to me, but I hope he goes back to Team Taz eventually. Um, if there's anything else, it's not it's not coming to my brain. Uh, Petty says, would you rather go to the US and work for an American wrestling promotion or stay on the UK and be on NXT UK? Well, look, if you go to American wrestling promotion, you're talking WWE or AEW or Impact. And they're all bigger than NXT UK, I would say. Uh, that's not disparaging to NXT UK. NXT is an awesome product. And if you get signed there, you should be doing backflips. But again, if someone says, do you want a million dollars? You want 500,000? You'll take the million. So, yeah. Uh, Skalivra says, any possibilities of an all-in Survivor Series this year or next? And I mean a WWAEW crossover show. My friend, kill those dreams now. It's never going to happen. Smart ass with the best name ever. What is your favorite current wrestling promotion? I don't have a favorite current wrestling promotion because it doesn't make any sense to me. Like what was my favorite last show I watched? Probably Smackdown on Friday. But I thought Dynamite before that was awesome. I thought Raw last night was average at best. So it doesn't come down to the three initials that precede the name for me. No one believes me, but it's true. It comes down to how I feel about the product at the time. Impact could probably be in there. I mean, Impact does some things I do not understand at all, but they have really good momentum and they're always coming up with good stories. So no, I don't support a wrestling promotion. I support all of wrestling because it's all the same. It's just got a different name and different ideas. Loki says, now that the rumors of Big E moving to Raw during the draft are high, who do you see beating Reigns? I say Keith Lee or a more serious Matt Riddle. Huge fan of your work. Thank you, Loki. That's kind of you. I mean, I don't know. 
I don't think it'll be Matt Riddle. No, I don't think it'll be Keith Lee. I don't think these are people that WWE at the moment see on the same level as Roman Reigns, but who the hell do they? I don't have an answer to that question. As a random pick, I'm going to say, because sometimes I say these things and they work. I'm just going to say the name. We're going to move on. Carrying Cross. Hunter of Chaos. If the surprise roll-up wasn't the thing, what would be the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment? Great question. Well, the DQ. <laughs> Punching someone in the balls. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be. Happens all the time. Chris, would you ever consider incorporating the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment into your moveset when you return to the ring as a new finisher, possibly, since we know it works wonders? Chris, my friend, if you come to see me wrestle, I promise you, Miller going to be going for those surprise roll-ups. I ain't no mug. I get it. Uh, Hi Boom says, when Cena returns, how would you book Cena versus Edge? I really want to see a round three. Do you know what? I wouldn't do it. I don't need to see Cena Edge. I've seen Cena Edge. I need to see Edge versus Seth Rollins, Edge versus Kevin Owens, Edge versus Sami Zayn, uh, Edge versus Baron Corbin, Edge versus, you know, name it, Drew McIntyre, Edge versus Jinder Mahal. Like when legends come back, I want to see people they haven't worked with because I've seen Cena versus Edge. And I get excited for it because they're two massive names. But as a wrestling nerd, I get more excited for doing things that are brand new. So yeah, I'd actually try and stay away from that. Noodle, good name. Hey, Simon, how would you feel about Shayna Baszler joining the Hurt Business? I think it would help refresh both parties. Oh, uh, yes. That's all I've got for you, Noodle. Yes. And make her a badass. Hunter of Chaos. Sorry if it's inappropriate. This is going to be interesting. This is why you should always vet the questions. But if a woman is hit below the belt in wrestling, should it be a DQ? I knew I'd regret it. Of course, Hunter of Chaos. Of course. Blumenick. What's going on? Glenn Bowers, what is the status of Keith Lee? Dude, I don't know. And I don't speculate because he doesn't want us to. I'm sure he's going through some stuff. I'm sure it's going back to the Zelina Vegas stuff. I'm sure it's twice as hard for him because he's doing it in the public eye. I just send him all the love in the world. I've met Keith Lee. I've shaken his hand. I've interviewed him. He's a lovely human being. So I hope that he's well. My man Ace Trainer Liam says, who's someone you think should have done a Royal Rumble but never did or never will? Dude, great question. Who hasn't been in a Raw Rumble? Hasn't everybody been in a Raw Rumble? I mean, that's not true. Alex Wright was never in a Raw Rumble. Alex Wright, ex-WCW, should have been in a Raw Rumble because he could have done his stupid dance. The end. <laughs> Why did you listen to this podcast? It's ridiculous. Let's go to Matt, who says, Who has the best legs in professional wrestling? My choice is Griff Garrison. <laughs> What is happening? I'm going with Samoa Joe. He got some meat on those thighs. Jemson, people complain WWE pushes big guys too much, but they don't like small guys, so they don't push them. At the same time, we ask them to push Big E and Lee. And Lee, who's Lee? Keith Lee. At the same time, we push them. At the same time, we ask them to push Big E and Keith Lee. They are talented, but Cole Gargano, Ali, Ricochet, Zayn, Owens, Kofi are talented more than them. The big guy thing is overrated. Jensen, that wasn't even a question. That was just your thoughts on a piece of paper, which I do appreciate. Look, some people like big guys. Some people like small guys. Wrestling should always be an eclectic mix of all of them. I don't want to sit there and just see jacked up monsters. I don't want to sit there and just see small people. I want to see everyone come with that curtain. That's why it's fun. Uh, Afonso says, hey, Simon, do you feel most characters in WWE lack depth in terms of personality and identity? Why isn't there more substance and thread for fans to invest in? Why is there almost no consequences when it comes to wins and losses or coherence? Sorry. Well, that's just what WWE does. WWE is obsessed with 50-50 booking, hence why you can get a championship match just by asking for one. Uh, I do think characters could have more depth. I mean, the characters I like the most are Roman Reigns, right? Roman Reigns got a tremendous amount of depth. You know, his, 
his motives. You know that he's all screwed up. Randy Orton's the same. Riddle is the same. I mean, Riddle is a stupid character, but you understand why he operates in the way that he does. So yes, we could. We absolutely should spread that about a bit more. Like I think Kevin Owens has managed to sort of get that across. Sami Zayn has because they're so good, but they've almost done it with not the right amount of time. Take someone like Jinder Mahal, right? Jinder Mahal would absolutely benefit from that. But at the moment, he's just angry dude that always has cronies. So yes, I don't know why they do it. I just think they need to invest more time in people that maybe they're not investing time in. I think it's as simple as that. Dirt says, why do you think WWE has decided to do heavily scripted promos and put restrictions on the wrestlers, even though the greatest wrestlers and moments were all created because they were unscripted and natural? Well, because when they were transforming into what they believed to be a TV show, they looked at Hollywood and thought, well, we'll do what they're doing. It was a bad move because wrestling isn't a TV show. But I don't mind scripted promos for people that benefit from scripted promos. Like if you have a wrestler, you have a company of 100 wrestlers and 50 of them are really good at non-scripted and 50 are really good at scripted, you should treat them on an individual basis. And it should be as simple as that. I don't think it's easy as just sort of waving a magic brush and everyone's now going to be really good at unscripted promos. But yes, I would, I would change that and I would let people sink or swim. And if they sink, you sit down with them and say, hey, we're going to write your stuff. We're going to work on this. And if they swim, you go, hey, ho. That was the best thing about WrestleMania 37 and the rain. You could see who was good at it and who wasn't. And I think we should do more of that. If we do, I mean, some people get the the benefit now. Like no one's scripting Roman Reigns. I don't think anyone's scripting Drew either. I do think they make him do that stupid history stuff, but he makes it work, which is fine. KDM, do you think Orange Cassidy will be over with the crowd at post-pandemic shows? Yes. I think everybody loves that guy. I think I think he's going to be a huge, huge star for, for, for a long time to come. Uh, where am I going? Organo Jackson, should Jay Uso be the one to take down Roman Reigns? I would just say that I would like one of the Usos to beat Roman because I think that's the natural ending to the story. But there are bigger stories at play now. So I think we need to take a step back and and wait. And Bad WWE Stat says, how many people will Baron Corbin murder at this year's Money in the Bank? Well, he's already murdered two, correct? Which were Alistair Black and Rey Mysterio, one of which is now off the roster. So he kind of did. So no, I think we're going in a different direction for Baron, which is, uh, which is why I'm excited. And we finish with Vic Zoll, who says, who is the most underrated wrestler of all time? Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig would be in there. Ted DiBiase would be in there. Maybe I'm just thinking of people that haven't been champion, but I still think that kind of sounds, you know, ties into being underrated because they should have been champion. They were that good. Otherwise, there's probably somebody out there that is just could have good matches than anybody and made people look like absolute champs that I haven't touched upon. But at the moment, it's not coming to my head. Let's see what Google says. Most underrated workout questions. Stupid. <laughs> you can tell what I search. Most underrated wrestler ever. Right, here we go. So according to the first thing that I found, I'm only going to read the ones that I agree with. William Regal, absolutely. Brian Pillman, absolutely. Bam Bam Bigelow, absolutely. Lance Storm, absolutely. This is a good list. That's a really good list. D Malenko, absolutely. Now I've got to go through it and talk. This is no way to do a... There's <laughs> no way to check. The original Doink, yes, I agree. Ultimo Dragon, I know what you mean, but, you know, he's still he's still a pretty big deal. Rick Rude, agreed. Goldust, agreed. Sheldon Benjamin, agreed. Yeah, that'll do. Their number one is jake roberts nah to a certain point but he still is a bit of a legend there we go on that note we shall wrap up for the day thank you very much for joining me as always i do appreciate it i am sorry for the somewhat crazy schedule with the shows 
uh, I do have a life is the only way I'll describe it. And sometimes I have to sort my life out and sometimes and sometimes I don't. But no, I do love doing this. I love the questions. I love chatting to you guys. Any feedback again at Simon316 on Instagram or Twitter. And I will chat to you again very soon. Enjoy NXT. Enjoy AEW. Enjoy SmackDown if I don't talk to you beforehand. And enjoy the fact that wrestling fans are almost back in the building. We made it, people. And it's lovely to be on the other side. Yeah.